You were born with individual strengths and a unique purpose. Don't let fears, false beliefs, or life's happenings diminish your influence. It's time to live and lead for impact. Host Kirsten Ross, expert of transformation, will help you defeat the drama and overcome the trauma that can stop you in your tracks. You'll gain focus, find confidence, and take bold action. Unleash passionate, purposeful you. Let's go. Welcome to Live and Lead for Impact. I'm Kirsten Ross Vogel, your host, and this is episode 253. Today is interview day, and I have an amazing guest, which I'm often blessed to have. Uh, his name is Dr. Paul White. Dr. White is a psychologist, speaker, and leadership trainer who makes work relationships work, which I love. It's definitely an area of passion of mine. As a speaker and trainer, Dr. White has taught around the world, including North America, Europe, South America, Asia, and the Caribbean. He's also the co-author of the best-selling The Five Languages of Appreciation in the Workplace, which has sold over 500,000 copies, written with Dr. Gary Chapman, author of the number one Times bestseller, The Five Love Languages. Side note, love that book. <laughs> and has been translated into 27 languages. Their appreciation at work training resources have been used by numerous corporations, medical facilities, schools, nonprofit organizations, and government agencies, over 750 colleges and universities, and, and in over 60 countries. Additionally, their online assessment, the Motivating by Appreciation Inventory, has been taken by over 285,000 employees worldwide and is available in multiple languages. So welcome, Dr. White. What an amazing bio. And um, I'm super excited to get to chat with you, especially about your, well, this is my personal, I love um, your focus on appreciation and the five languages of appreciation. Thanks, Kirsten. I'm glad to be with you today. Yeah. So uh, tell me, so you have been involved in so much around work. And again, I, I, uh, I've been coaching and inspiring my clients to add appreciation into the workplace. And I'm sure you cringe as much as I do when I hear someone say, why do I need to thank them? I'm giving them a paycheck. Right. right. But uh, so tell me um, about your work and the impact that you're making in the world. Well, we're fortunate. Uh, you know, I'm fortunate to have been able to to link up with Dr. Chapman and uh, use his platform to help make the message known. And we sort of go on beyond that. But, uh, you know, I think as I talk to leaders, both of businesses and government agencies and nonprofits, uh, there's some misunderstandings about appreciation. And, and the first one is what the goal is. The goal is not just to make uh, people feel good or happy. We want that to happen. But what we found is that really when team members feel valued and appreciated, it makes things go better. The organization works better. We have a lot of research that we cite in our book that, um, you know, demonstrates that it's sort of like oil in a machine. I mean, you have moving parts and without oil, things get stuck and creates tension and heat and sparks and appreciations like that. I think it helps just the organization move more smoothly. So, you know, we're fortunate that our work, our resources are, are helping organizations across the world and uh, making, you know, daily life and work uh, better for people. 
Well, and I, I have to say, I, you know, and this, mine is just anecdotal, so it's not, um, you know, research-based, but, you know, I've been working with businesses for about 30 years. And what I've seen is, is that I, I believe there are three innate desires that drive humans. And one of them is they want to feel known, acknowledged, and appreciated. And if we can consider that not only in how we treat our team members, but also customers, clients, whatever we call those we serve, uh, our business will absolutely be positive impacted. And I always say the visual that I get when I hear a leader say something like, why would I thank them? I'm giving them a paycheck. One, gosh, I really hope that they're there for more than just a paycheck. <laughs> but, um, but two, if you make that a limited resource, I always get, you know, the, the appreciation versus abundant. Um, I always get the visual of just starving people with some, a few breadcrumbs mm-hmm. in the middle of the room. And, mm-hmm. and when you do thank someone or show any inkling of acknowledgement, everyone else is just thinking, what about me? And now you've rather than created a positive moment, ignited friction amongst your Mm. team. Right. Well, and I think a key part for us is we talk about authentic appreciation. And another misconception is that uh, many leaders confuse or conflate um, employee recognition and, uh, and appreciation. Employee recognition is a good thing when it's uh, designed right and implemented consistently, which is not always the case, but uh, it's really about performance. And, and we want people to do the right thing and do it well and maybe sometimes do it more. But uh, we really focus on the value of the person that uh, we're more than just a producer or somebody gets tasks done. And I think that's become more clear here in the past couple of years with the pandemic and how uh, the intersection of our personal lives and work life really uh, are more than maybe they were perceived to be previously. But but it's not just about production because research shows that uh, most employee recognition programs only touch about the top 10 or 15% of a team. And so that leaves your big middle group of 50 to 60% of employees and team members that don't hear anything. And um, they're good people. They're trying hard. They're working best. They may not be stars, but they're they're needed. And um, we know, I mean, a practical <laughs> response to those who say, well, I pay them is that we know that 79% of the people who leave a job voluntarily cite a lack of appreciation as one of the main factors for them leaving. Um, most money-oriented managers think people leave for more money. That's actually not the case. And we've got over 100 years of research to show that, that they actually leave when they don't feel valued. They may get more money from the next position, but that's not why they left. Well, and in talking about the authentic, uh, yeah, we can't, you know, this isn't about the everyone gets an award syndrome. Right. Right. <laughs> it really, you know, um, it's, it's about being intentional and I know, you know, let's just throw out there and you've probably seen this. I, most leaders have good intentions around mm-hmm. providing acknowledgement appreciation, but, uh, challenges come at them. And so that takes, you know, top notch, you know, their number one focus. And also, yeah, there's this tendency to look at the the people who are directly, you know, maybe it's in the sales. And so you think, well, our sales team and they get the kudos, but not the people behind the scenes. And so uh, tell me a little bit about how you make sure that, because really it takes intention to shift your focus to where it needs to be and make sure that it's broad enough, not just on the person who's already getting the accolades, but, but that whole team behind. So can you share a few strategies to make sure that leaders are intentional about shifting focus away from just problems, but uh, you know, and the team, when you have that team member who says, you know, 
uh, the only time I hear from my boss is when something's gone wrong. Right, right. Uh, so what, well, the, in, there's some interesting research around the intentionality. There's one study that showed that it was at several uh, companies across the U.S. that 51% of leaders felt they did a pretty good job, not great, but pretty good job of showing recognition when employees did a good job. But only 17% of the employees who worked for those managers felt like the, the manager did a mm. good job. So we've got a a disconnect there. And, and um, what, I, what I tend to say is that, you know, often people try to send messages, but the messages either aren't received because they're not really in the right format or they're not that meaningful. And so that's really, I mean, part of, you know, the core message of the five languages is that not everybody feels appreciated in the same ways. Um, and while we now have over 300,000 people have taken our inventory, so I have pretty good data and, you know, 46% of employees do value words, um, but that's less than half the the workforce. So if we only use words, which is what most people associate with appreciation and saying thanks or compliment, then we're missing from the get-go uh, at least if not over half of our workforce. And so it's really important to find out uh, what's important to the, the recipient. And, and that's sort of a key message in the training that we provide in our resources is that it may be, you know, you might like words, you might like quality time, but uh, it's more important what the, the person that you're trying to encourage or show appreciation uh, is desires. And so we have really worked hard to provide a, a low cost assessment. It's like 15 bucks per team member. Um, and you actually get a free code if you buy the book uh, so you can you know see it and uh, identify a person's primary language of appreciation, their secondary, their least valued language, which is sort of our blind spot um, because we don't think about it. And then not only that, but the actions within their main language, because say, take quality time, it's really different across people and across generations, actually. Uh, I happen to be a, a, a boomer. I'm a young boomer, but I'm still a boomer. And, you know, uh, I'm in, uh, in the past, people wanted time with their supervisor or manager. That's less and less so with younger employees that they really want uh, time with their colleagues and their peers. And so, I've had many people say, I don't want individual time with my supervisor. They're pretty intense. I'm sort of shy, uh, but I like to go to lunch with my friends or hang out with my colleagues after work. So we have to get the, the right language in action to really hit the mark. Well, and I'm also thinking, you know, words of affirmation, it might be like, I want quiet words or I want public exactly. accolades, right? So uh, let's drive, uh, have you drive through the list of, of five. And can you give a couple of examples of like variables within the five? Yeah. So for instance, words of affirmation and they're words that are affirming, that we're affirming the value um, that another person uh, has uh, to us. And really we teach, we, we've heard back from our uh, clients that one of the things they don't like to hear is good job because it's just too vague, doesn't really mean anything. So we teach a model of use a person's name, tell them specifically what you value about them, and then why it's important either to you, to your organization, or to your clientele, and um, and being specific. And so you're right. I mean, some people uh, just a, a personal word or even just a note. It could be uh, an email or a text um, or uh, maybe in front of the team saying, you know, man, Janice did a really great job of handling that difficult client the other day and, and just helped settle things down. Uh, but we know that 40% of the workforce do not want to go up in front of a large group to be recognized. And so it actually becomes a negative if you head that way. Um, quality time uh, is time that 
they get with someone that they value, and it may be individual time, group time. Um, a key part about it is sort of focused attention that you're not doing something else uh, unless that's the design of the the time together, you know, uh, eating out or watching a game or whatever. But if it's individual time, you need to really stop what else you're doing, avoid distractions and so forth and give that to them. And that's 26% of uh, the workforce. So about one out of every four team members. Acts of service are not uh, things to rescue low performing colleagues, but rather just small things that you can help make their day or week go better. And probably the best example of that is when somebody's working on a time limited project that they're just working hard, banging through long hours, trying to get it done. What's something that you could do to help make that go better? And it could be answer their uh, emails or phone calls so that they're not interrupted, keep focused, or maybe take part of it um, and they delegate part of it so that, you know, you can work on it in a parallel process. Um, and about um, 21% or one out of every five employees have acts of service. They're sort of, uh, you know, I had a CEO tell me, he said, my language is get her done. You know, don't tell me things, don't, you know, give me stuff, but help me get things done. Um, and then tangible gifts is the fourth language. And in the workplace, it's not, you know, big bonuses or raises or, you know, big vacation. It's really just small things that show that you're getting to know your team members well. And so it could be bringing in their favorite cup of coffee or when you order pizza for the group or bagels or whatever, you you make sure you know the kind that they like. Like I have a team member who uh, eats gluten-free and so we'll have gluten-free pizza. Um, and um, and actually food is sort of the, the number one tangible gift that's uh, distributed in the workplace, but it could also be a, a small gift card, you know, to something uh, about a hobby that they have, or even a magazine about, you know, a sports team they like, or if they're going to be planning a garden, that kind of thing. So what's interesting is only 6% of the workforce choose tangible gifts uh, as the primary way they want to be shown appreciation, where employee recognition programs really focus on that. And in fact, we found, we just published some research uh, that of, I don't know, it was 95,000 people in the study uh, that found that older employees, uh, like 50 and above really don't value tangible gifts at all. And so if you give them sort of an anniversary gift or, you know, retirement gift, it's really sort of meaningless to them. And then the last one that people always wonder about is physical touch. And, you know, this was derived from the five love languages and we were wondering, does this really fit? And we, uh, kept it in the model for a couple of reasons. One is we didn't want to advocate a touchless society, even in the workplace, that appropriate physical touch in the right relationship and context can be quite meaningful, especially in the healthcare uh, and long-term care areas. Um, and, uh, and also it happens and it's largely spontaneous celebration. It's a high five when you finish a project, it's a fist bump when you uh, solve a problem, maybe a congratulatory handshake on a big sale or something like that. So it's less than 1%. We don't focus on it a lot. It's not included in the inventory because uh, there's just too many other negatives that can go there from misinterpretations. And so uh, we talk about it and it's there because it's important and it differs regionally and even culturally, but uh, uh, it, it's it's uh, fun when it's done appropriately. Oh, I, I love, um, yeah, how, uh, the specific information that you're sharing and thinking in terms of the five love languages, which again, I've, you know, I've been a huge proponent of that book for years and years and <laughs> read it many times, talked about it so many times. So I love um, bringing 
bringing it into the workplace. Uh, I want to make sure, uh, can you share the the web address? Because that was not part of um, yeah. what I have here in the notes. And I want to make sure, uh, I have a feeling I'm going to be sending some people there. <laughs> and I want to make sure listeners. Yeah, sort of our, our mothership website is appreciation at work. And it's the word at, so appreciation at work.com. And uh, if you just, you know, if you're Google and you forget it, just type in appreciation work and Dr. White and you'll get there. Um, and we have information about the book, which is, you know, in paperback and audio and ebook, and then our, our online assessment and then training materials. And I, I grew up professionally in the not-for-profit and, and social service world. And so it was important to me to create some low-cost training resources. So we've done that and to create an online train-the-trainer course that can be done virtually, just takes a couple hours. And then it gives you access to videos and PowerPoint slides and handouts and a facilitator's guide to take your team members through, even multiple teams, uh, through the process of learning about their languages of appreciation and how to apply it uh, in their daily work life. That's great. I love this. Now, you mentioned briefly Briefly, the the fifteen dollars per employee. Now, is that something where they learn about themselves, or would that information be shared with a leader who could then uh, better show their appreciation with that person? Well, the goal is to share it with others, right? And uh, and so, uh, I mean, the report comes to them, but we actually have a way when they they can either you know take it through the code on the book, but we also have, you know, um, companies and organizations buy blocks of codes and they can get a group summary report as well. And then we actually have free resources where you can plot a chart of your specific team and find out from there and, and uh, some posters that you can make uh, to post in your cubicle or your office or whatever. So um, the goal is ultimately for people. And I, I guess that's one misconception I didn't touch on is that this is not just for leaders and managers. It's uh, because it's really too much responsibility and weight. What we found is that people want to know how to show appreciation and encourage one another and they value it from their colleagues. And so we really focus on uh, taking both the leaders and the team members through the process so that uh, everyone can communicate to one another because it's not sort of top down. It's not based on the org job because it's person to person. It can be from, uh, you know, uh, the receptionist to uh, an executive VP or from somebody in accounting to somebody in IT. So uh, uh, it's let's it's throw really... our project managers some love. They, <laughs> they yeah. have it. <laughs> exactly. No. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like a, a way of, um, again, making the most of your, your wow board or your, yeah, your appreciation board that you might have in a lunchroom. Mm hmm. Uh, back when, well, as soon as we're back in person. <laughs> so, um, so uh, I'm so in love with with all of the all of that you're doing here, and um, again, adding the specificity so that when we are like one, let's focus on acknowledging and appreciating one another. Uh, please, uh, this world needs even more of that right now. But and two, being very effective with it through the tools that you're providing um, and being intentional. So uh, you said you came out of the nonprofit world. So tell me a little bit about about what life experiences or what out of that motivated you to uh, to work on this unique impact? You know, uh, I grew up in the context of a family-owned business, and there was sort of a, a habit within our family that my dad would ask us, you know, okay, what needs do you see out there that aren't being met? Um, because really work and services meeting people's needs or desires and in the work 
force in the for-profit world is doing it in a way that, you know, uh, you can earn some money from it. And so uh, I started out, I'm a psychologist by training first part of my career that continues to a, a lesser degree is testing students that have learning difficulties in ADHD. I tend to have a skill in that area and there's a need for that. And then uh, because of my background in family business, uh, some friends that were business consultants kept running into family issues because 85% of all the companies in the U.S. are family owned. And so I started consulting with families, dealing with the family issues, working together and then passing the business across generations. And it was in the midst of that that I was working with a, a family in North Carolina and uh, asked the dad and the CEO, I said, you know, how's this business transition plan going? He said, it's going well. My son stepped up. I think it's going to be good. I walk across the hall and ask the son the same question. He says, this is a disaster. It's never going to work. I can't please my dad. And at that time, my wife and I were reading through the five love languages, probably for the second or third time, because I'm sort of a slow learner on this stuff. But uh, I thought, you know, I wonder if this might uh, help in the workplace. So I pursued Dr. Chapman for over a year and finally got with him and agreed to work on the project together. And, and as I moved into the area, I saw that, you know, the focus really was on employee recognition and it just wasn't working that, you know, I mean, there were certain parts that were working, but uh, staff morale, turnover, people feeling valued just wasn't happening because it wasn't designed to do that. Employee recognition wasn't. And so felt like, okay, here's a need. Let's try to meet it and be as practical as possible and, and move that way. Awesome. Well, I work with family businesses too. And so I love, <laughs> I love that part of your work too. Um, yeah. And I love uh, getting in the midst of that friction. So you're one of those weird people too. People think I'm so weird that I, I love getting in the muck of all of that, but ah, it's so impactful. Yes, it, it is. <laughs> um, so when you think back to uh, one specific specific impact that you've made through this work. And I always ask people to think about just one because, you know, whether it's a team or a person, or maybe it's a family business, uh, I think that keeping top of mind why we do what we do can help us continue to fuel that tenacity. And also it can be so inspirational to others. So what's one that really comes top of mind? Well, one that's sort of a unique one is that um, I had the opportunity and continue to work with them, a family owned business in South Dakota. Uh, are also in Wyoming and Colorado that they are a mining company. And then what they mine, they turn into uh, commercial grade uh, chemicals. So maybe sometimes fertilizer or additives or something like that. And, uh, you know, it's sort of a tough guy kind of uh, business. They've got a lot of truck drivers. They got cement truck drivers. They got miners. They got all different kinds of heavy equipment uh, users. And uh, they love our stuff and they have taken it on and implemented. I've been back two or three times to train them and their leaders. They have a number of leaders across the states who have gone through our training and then take it out to their teams. And actually, it's part of their onboarding process. After uh, I think their six month, three or six month probation period, uh, then they earn the right uh, to take the inventory. And they actually came back to us and said, hey, you know, the guys uh, want to uh, have stickers because we have visual symbols for each of the uh, the languages and they want to have stickers for their helmets, their hard hats. And so, uh, you know, we did that and they just, uh, you know, it's sort of embarrassing sometimes, but they just sing our praises and say, you know, you really uh, changed our culture. You helped us develop a positive workplace culture, stay connected with people and it's really made a big difference. And so that's just sort of a, a nice, unique uh, little example that's uh, gone well for us. 
Oh, I love that example. And what's especially cool about it? Well, one, I love the thought of little stickers on their hats or yeah. on their helmets right. and that they requested that. But also, you know, that does not sound like the first kind of business that would come to mind where appreciation would be abundant. And so right. it's particularly like what a higher hurdle again. Um, I love that they've embraced that to that level. That's great. Uh, and what a testament to the power of something that is really so simple right, right? if we use it well in, in, uh, with intention, the way that you're teaching. So that's awesome. So tell me what has been your biggest internal or external challenge that you've had to overcome, uh, in, in moving into this work and how did you overcome it? Hmm. Well, I think that, uh, the external cha- challenge has been that there are a lot of really big companies in the employee recognition field that focus on essentially providing or selling things, stuff, stuff. <laughs> you got it, trinkets and otherwise, um, and they make a boatload of money. And so they, and, you know, I've got a staff of five, three of uh, them are full-time, but uh, of just competing in that world, because uh, they can, they can just, you know, overwhelm. Uh, and in fact, they take my concepts and sort of uh, adopt them to their own purposes, uh, which is okay. But uh, just, you know, trying to figure out how to be heard and, and get out there. So it's, it's fun and it's working. I mean, because right now, I mean, we're working with PepsiCo Global, with ExxonMobil, with Caterpillar, with uh, Lululemon, with uh, L'Oreal, with all, you know, lots of state governments, every branch of the military. So it's a need, but, you know, you can, and I'm in Kansas. And so that's not like, oh man, let's get the expert from Kansas. You know, people don't <laughs> think that way. And so, but it's sort of like, you know, you just do what you can do and you persevere and try to be uh, strategic and, and uh, meet people's needs in a, in a helpful way. And uh, if it does, you know, uh, they tend to respond. Well, the good news is people don't even know where we are right now, really. Right, right, right. <laughs> Not that there's anything at all against Kansas. Um, well, and these companies that are selling and, you know, we'll use, we'll be nice and say stuff. I mean, really the businesses that are purchasing that quote unquote stuff really need what you're offering so they right. can use those dollars efficiently. Especially so. now in the times of, of remote workers and working from home and hybrid because stuff doesn't get it. And uh, we know that one of the key factors, I, we did research and publish on one of the key factors for employees managing the stress of COVID is staying connected at a personal level with their employees. And so this provides an avenue to do that. Absolutely. And do what is valuable to each employee, which is amazing. And, and if it is someone who has that quality time, that's me, uh, you know, the isolation of COVID can be even more difficult. Right. And so right. making sure that, yeah, the investment of time, not dollars for trinkets uh, yeah. is, is spent well. And we um, created a, a, a remote version of our inventory so that the actions fit within a remote work relationship because uh, it is different than if you're on site. Oh, that's great. Awesome. Even more valuable. So tell me, how do you stay motivated and moving during tough times? It sounds like there have been some hiccups for you. And I do want to ask too, are you uh, still working? It sounds like you're still doing your work with uh, very large family businesses. It sounds like mm-hmm. um, are, you're still doing that in addition to this work. Not so much um, because the travel uh, aspect really makes it difficult. And and also, to be honest, family businesses uh, are different. I mean, I did this 20 plus years ago, started it. And families and family businesses are different in their quality, their uh, ethics. 
And uh, it's a lot of cleanup work that's just harder than what I want to do. I don't want to clean up other people's messes. I want to get out in front of it. <laughs> and so I do less of that. I still test students a little bit just because that really is uh, impactful at an individual level. Uh, but um, I work with a few local family businesses. Yeah. Okay. But how I keep motivated is really uh, I keep an encouragement file that when I get a, a positive email or um, some kind of comment from somebody, I'll, I'll put it in there. And uh, actually, I don't have to review it too often. I'm, I mean, I've really been fortunate that we get positive feedback. Right now, we're being hired by a major government agency because a person who went through our training and uh, applied it to her group is part of this agency and it's sort of gone up the ladder and we're getting just a lot of praise for how we're helping this one group. And so just the, the examples in the feedback loop uh, really keep me going. That's awesome. And it sounds like you're finding some great success and really excited for you. Um, So what words of wisdom would you have for others who are working to make their own impact right now, whether they're just getting started or trying to figure it out, or maybe a bit along the way? Yeah, I, I think I fall back to you know, listen to your audience, to the people you want to serve, hear from them what isn't working, uh, what needs aren't being met, because I'm sort of a a blue sky marketer. I like to go where there's not a lot of other people there and find a need that that needs to be met um, and figure that out and learn from them and listen and, and try a little bit. I'm, I'm sort of also an 80% thing. We sort of start and get it 80% done and, and launch it and then tweak it as we get feedback. Uh, I find that, you know, wait until you get 100% right on the mark, it sort of never happens. And so, you know, try what you think might be helpful, get some feedback from it. Um, you know, and I think the other part of it is I see people try to start new things is develop a sustainable plan because most of these things take at least twice as long as what you think. So I wrote the book, I started back in 2008, uh, wrote the book in 2009, uh, came out in uh, 10 and 11. And then, you know, it's been 10 years. So and it's, you know, in the time written 300 plus articles given, you know, Boku podcasts, uh, YouTube videos, all that kind of stuff. You just sort of have to just take a step at a time and just plot away. And there's a tension between perseverance and also listening to the feedback, because if you persevere and think this is going to work, but the feedback is saying this doesn't really help, then it becomes bullheadedness. <laughs> and so there's sort of a, um, a balance between that of, you know, just keeping at it and doing it, but listen to the feedback and, and adjust as needed. And that discernment required to say, like, is this a a credible source of, you know, uh, constructive feedback or, sure. you know, what should I listen to and what shouldn't I? Because, yeah. uh, yes, I'm being very intentional about that as well. Um, well, thank you. I love the, um, the, the picture that you're painting of the tenacity that you've had and that you've made this amazing tool, written this book and, uh, you know, and it took you a while to get, um, your co-author there on board, but, uh, but you've done it. And then, you know, and then the work that continues to, uh, uh, remind people about it and bring people to the work, but it sounds like it's really coming to fruition and you really are making a big impact in the world. Well, I, I hope so. And I believe so. And, and it's nice to see that we've got a long ways to go, but you know, if we can help individual people and I, I tell people, you know, culture is essentially the aggregate of 
thousands of individual interactions between people. And so if we change those individual interactions, we change culture. And that's what we're about. Yes. Thank you so much. Yes. Culture is created, not in the big rah-rah, you know, annual meeting that you have. It's it's created in the moment to moment experience that's it, that you're creating for each of your employees along the way. Yeah. Uh, so thank you so much, Dr. White. Uh, and again, you can reach out to him at appreciation at work.com. And we'll have uh, that link as well as social media links on today's show notes. You can find those by going to defeatthedrama.com, click on the podcast tab and go to episode 253. Thank you so much for joining me today. You bet. I'm glad to join you. Thanks so much. Yeah. And thank you for the impact that you're making. And if you are working to make your own impact and would love some additional resources around leadership and personal success, success strategies uh, and more, uh, feel free to click the link or hop into myimpactacademy.com forward slash join. What you'll find there immediately is uh immediate 24-7 access to resources created over 20 years of uh, video, audio, PDF download, and on top of it, we have an amazing community that's coming together every other week uh, for coaching, strategizing, and networking, and would love to see you there. So uh, you get two weeks for free to check it out. And then if you want to continue, it's just a small investment monthly. So again, that's myimpactacademy.com forward slash join. Uh, hope to see you there. And in the meantime, get out there. Thank you for the work that you're doing. Make your bigger, bolder impact. The world is waiting. Mm -hmm.